talked about seizing the, the 167, the 167 hours that we're currently not together. You see, there's 168 hours in a week, and we spend one hour roughly together, but there's 167 hours that we aren't together in this building where everything seems to be fine and okay. You see, we, we put a lot of effort into creating a safe place for you to come, a, a very safe, in, in, inviting, welcoming place for your children to be. Uh, we, we, we take... Take, we take taking care of your kids seriously here. Background checks on all of our, our uh, people that serve at OSC Kids, a security system, tags, numbers, all these things to make sure that your kids are safe. So we do that here on Sunday mornings, but that's typically one hour. That's only one of the 168. There's 167 hours that we're not together. And so we're committed this year to help you with the 167 more than ever before. I believe we've always done this, but I think now we're just going to kind of put it out there and say, hey, this is what we're doing, and so that you're aware of it, so that everything we preach, everything we teach, our life groups, anything that's going to happen is going to have the 167 in mind. Amen. So you're going to hear 167 for the rest of the year, so get used to it, because I want you to focus on the 167, because it's fun, it's good to come together, right? It's good to be in the house of God together, it's good to feel his presence together, it's good to sing together. Man, I'm so grateful for Ryan and Mel coming and helping us out this Sunday, man, like the whole, almost the whole team was sick, and it's like, uh, uh, and this was yesterday afternoon, I'm like, uh, uh, uh. but Leeson did a great job, lined everybody up, Jennings helped us out, and sent Ryan and Mel, and so... Just grateful for that, and that's great, but there's 167 hours where you don't have a personal worship team, <laughs> right? I'm sure Ryan and Mel's not going to follow you everywhere and play, you know, nice, pretty worship music behind you. <laughs> so today we're kicking off a brand new series <clears throat> called Relational Intelligence, and the title of my message today is called Friend Request. Friend Request. Um, by the way, we're launching the 167 initiative, and this week we're going to start launching a midweek Devo on Facebook. What we're going to do is uh, on Wednesday mornings around 7 o'clock uh, for this series, I'll, I'll jump on Facebook, do about a 7, 8, 10-minute teaching on today's message, just like a refresher, maybe a little something I, I learned from preaching this message today. And so every week for this year... We're going we're gonna to come about midweek, put a devotional on Facebook that you can see all day long, and, and it's just going to touch on the message that was preached the previous Sunday. And so I'll do this series, but then some of our host guys will start to do some of the other midweek devos, and we're calling them the 167. So be looking on our Facebook page for that. One of the greatest factors to living a healthy, God-honoring, joy-filled life is having healthy relationships. How many of you had some bad relationships? Like you've had some people turn straight ghetto on you. Come on. Like they went gangster. They went sideways. They went rogue. They went crazy. I don't know what's wrong with them. Yeah, most of us have had some pretty rough relationships. But one of the greatest factors to living a healthy, God-honoring, joy-filled life is having healthy relationships. We got to have healthy relationships. We're going to take the next three weeks and talk strictly about relationships. And today I'm talking to you specifically about your friends. Because some of you got friends in low places. Come on, Garth Brooks. And you need to understand something that relationships matter. Every relationship matters. 
I'm going to say that one more time. Every relationship you have, now this goes to kids, this goes to youth, this goes to tweens in a relationship between a teenager and an adult, this goes to adults, it doesn't matter how old you are, every relationship matters. I heard one wise man say one time, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. <clears throat> every relationship matters. God created us to be relational. We need other people. But some of y'all in here this morning, you're Han Solo. You're trying to go through this life all by yourself. Yeah, you come to church for one hour a week, and you hang out with a bunch of other people, but the rest of the week, you're all by yourself. That's not the way God designed it. We all need some quiet time. We all need some space, and, and, and that varies, but, but you were never meant to be alone. God made you and created you to be relational. Some people are more relational than others. Some are what we call extroverts. Like they, they get in a big crowd of people, and they get energized. Like, woo I get in a big crowd of people, and I'm like, ugh. I'm an introvert, actually. And if some of us are like me. You're introverts, and you got, if you had your choice, you would just go hang out with a few people. And you'd find energy from that, and you'd be fired up after that, and just you and your good friends, and, okay. But I know we've, we've been bruised, we've been burned, we've been betrayed, and if you're not careful, you'll adopt this attitude that says, I don't need anyone, God is enough for me. Boy, that sounds noble, doesn't it? I don't need anybody, God is enough for me, just me and God. We got this. Sounds noble, right? I mean, how, who's going to argue with that? Like, like, oh, yeah, you and God. Okay, all right, you and God, great. Sounds noble, right? But, but what if I told you God disagrees with that statement? In fact, what if I prove it to you this morning that he disagrees with that statement? Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then God said, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone, right? It is not good. Say not good. God said it's not good for us to be alone. <laughs> but it's just me and God. Well, it was Adam and God too. In fact, when God made this statement, it was Adam, God, and the animals. Now, come on, we all know some people that get a little, little too, they go a little too far with their animals, right? Like me, God, and my kitty cats. Me, God, and my puppy dogs, or me, God, and my cows, or, or whatever it might be. Like, listen, that, I get it. Okay, I get it. I love animals too, but, but that, that can be weird. Can I just say it? Can I just say it? Because Adam is sitting in a place where he is not alone. Adam is surrounded by living creatures. Adam is in the most beautiful place ever known to man. And the Bible says that him and God would talk frequently and they would walk together. And in that moment, even though it was Adam and God and creation, God still said it is not good that man should be alone. So boom. <laughs> Proven. Mic drop. God did it. Adam and God was alone, but God said that wasn't good enough. Are you getting this this morning? Because the enemy would love to separate you. He would love to isolate you. He would love to get you in a place where you separate from everybody who could possibly speak life into you so that he can annihilate you. That's what his purpose is. That's what his purpose is. So God created Eve, and he gave Adam Eve, and, and Eve was a tremendous blessing. In fact, the first time he saw her, he said, Whoa, man! Yeah, y'all have heard that one a few too many times. 
That's how she got her name. I told a dad joke yesterday in the children's building. Yeah, shut up, Charles. <laughs> I told a dad joke in the children's building yesterday, and Greg, I think Greg was like, you got more dad jokes? I'm like, no, that was it. I'm not a funny guy. What if the people, what if people are in your life on purpose and with a purpose? What if people came with a purpose, either good or bad? What if the people that are currently in your life are there on purpose and with a purpose? Proverbs 13.20 says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Do I need to spell that one out for you? Like, whoever, you want to be wise, hang out with some wise people. Not wise guys, but like some wise, like some really wise people. You want to improve your finances? You need to hang out with people who spend money wisely. You want to improve your marriage? You need to hang out with some people that have a better marriage than you, right? If, if you want to, if you don't care, or you're not paying attention, then you just go hang out with anybody. And the Bible says that you'll suffer harm. What is King Solomon saying to us today? He's saying your spiritual, emotional, financial, and professional well-being is directly impacted by who is in your life. Who's in your life? Today, I want you to begin to, to evaluate who's in your life. Who's, who's bringing life into your life and who's sucking the life out of you? The title of this series is called Relational Intelligence, and let me define that for you this morning. Relational intelligence is the ability to define and align your relationships. So watch this. Today, my hope is that you begin to wake up about your relationships, and you start to take them seriously, and you start to get real intentional about your relationships, because for some of you, your relationships are too freestyle. They, they, just, they just usually let people in your life. They come in, they come out, they have their way, and when, it's, when the dust settles, you're hurt and you're wounded. Today, I want, you to, I want us to, to leave here with some relational intelligence. We need to be able to define this relationship. Like, what, what kind of relationship do we have? Like, this is a work relationship? Okay, great. Is this a school relationship? Okay, great. We'll, we'll talk about homework. We'll talk about the teacher in a good way. And we'll, then we'll talk about other things. Is this, a, is this a sports, athletic, hobbies type of relationship? Like, is this I see you at the grocery store pretty consistently kind of relationship? Or is this a best friend status kind of relationship? You got to be able to define the relationship. What relationship is this? Because when you can define it, then you can begin to align it in your life. And then watch what happens. Then you'll quit putting unrealistic expectations on people, and they'll quit putting unrealistic expectations on you. When you define them and then align them. All right, you're going to get it in a minute. So today we're focusing on friends. Look at what Proverbs 18.24 from the Facebook version of the Bible says. A friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook. This person is born to like and comment on your post to make you feel good about yourself. Come on, y'all know that's funny. Give a brother a courtesy laugh or something. 
Proverbs 18.24 from the Message Translation, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So one who has unreliable friends is living, watch this, unsupported. You know, one of the things I don't like about being a preacher is that when I write messages, I get convicted. Like I get convicted before you do. And then I get to stand in front of you and preach it and get more conviction. Conviction is good, though. It's not condemnation. It's conviction. Like, I, I read that verse. I'm like, man, I can be a better friend. Like, there's a lot of room to grow in being a better friend. I can sometimes be unreliable to some of the closest people in my life. I'm like, dang, God. You sure I got to preach this? So you and I will go through seasons that will require support from outside of ourselves. And many of you have been carrying too much for too long all by yourself. But watch what it says. Watch the end of this verse. So the beginning says, unreliable friends, you'll soon come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know how I hear that verse? I hear that verse like this, like God is promising me that he's got some friends from me that are going to be closer than a brother. Are you hearing me this morning? Like, like my current friend... My current friends may not be all that great, but God has one that's going to stick closer than a brother. I may not need 10 right now, but I could use one that's going to stick closer than a brother. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But there's one that sticks closer than a brother. Culture's definition of friendship is the people in your life that you like. The Bible's definition of friendship is people in your life who are like family. Big difference. How many of you have some relationships that may not be blood, but there's a strong bond? Come on, aren't those good relationships? You long to hang out with those people. You long to spend time with those people. And there's a reason behind that. Jesus is the example of relational intelligence. Jesus' life teaches us that everyone is to be loved biblically, valued equally, but not everyone is treated equally. Can I say that one more time? Everyone is to be loved biblically, valued equally, but not everyone is to be treated equally. We're to love people biblically. The Bible's very clear about that. We're to value people equally. The Bible's clear about that no matter what their age, race, gender, doesn't matter. Love is freely given, but watch this, access must be earned. Love is freely given. We love everybody. Black, white, yellow, brown, it doesn't matter. Straight, crooked, it don't matter. We love everybody, right? Because God commands us to love everybody. But not everybody gets access into our life. Amen? Everybody's valued equally. Every life matters. Every breathing creature matters. No matter what they've done, they matter. But not everybody gets access. Is this making sense? Romans 13, 8, Paul says this, Owe no man anything but to love. So treating everybody right does not mean you treat everyone the same. You know Jesus had 12 disciples, right? 12, 12 men that he called, like very intentionally. He said to those men, he said, come and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. That was the call that he, he gave them. He says, hey, you, come and follow me. You, come and follow me. You come. He picked 12, right? 
And and if we're not careful, we're not paying attention, we would think that those 12 all had equal access to Jesus, but they didn't. The Bible says that three of them, Peter, James, and John, got to go further with Jesus than anybody else did. When Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration, where he, he, seen, he seen the other the, uh, the patriarchs on the mountain, and it was Peter, James, and John who was there, and they had access to go further with Jesus, and that time that Jesus had on the Mount of Transfiguration was one of his high moments. So, so people that you allow access into your life got to be able to handle what your highest moments. They got to be able to handle you at your best. They got to be able to handle you when, it, when you're killing it, right? So Jesus goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration. God says, this is my son whom I dearly love. Who was there? Not all 12. Peter, James, and John, right? Then, then you fast forward the story right before the cross. Jesus goes to the garden to pray. Who does he invite? Peter, James, and John. Come a little further with me. I need you in this moment. Jesus was vulnerable in that moment. The Mount of Transfiguration was a high point in his life. The garden was a very dark place for him. It was in the garden where he was asking God to take this cup from me, right? Is there another way? And Peter, James, and John were invited into that situation. You see, people that get access into your life must be able to handle you on, the, on your best day and your worst day. This is making sense. When you're going through difficulty, you need safe place to process. Friendships should be a safe place. I think about the moment where Jesus brought Peter, James, and, and John into the garden, and he said, stay here and pray with me. What was he saying? He was saying, guys, I need your support right now. I'm struggling right now. I'm down right now. I'm not in my best right now. I feel really weak right now. I need you to support me. I need you to come alongside of me. Right? Not walk out on me. Not talk about me. Not run your mouth to everybody about me. Are you seeing this? So people who do not have a safe place called friendship to share with end up releasing it in the wrong place and with the wrong people. So let me see if I can make it clear this way. Proverbs 4.23 says this, guard your heart, this thing right here, above all else. All else means all else, (laughs) right? Tough crowd. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What determines the course of your life? The condition of your heart. Why did God say to guard your heart above all else? Because however this thing is determines how you go. You got to get this. He's saying you got to guard your heart. Who hurts your heart more than anybody else? The people closest to you. Relationships are places where your heart gets hurt. So watch this. If you're not intentional with your relationships and you don't have any relational intelligence, in other words, if you're not defining relationships and aligning relationships, you know what you're doing? You're leaving your heart unguarded. So anybody in their mama can walk in, hurt you, and walk out. And you're mad at the world, but you didn't even have a guard at the post. 
Now all of a sudden, the condition of your heart is broken. It's hurting. It's, 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 it's grieving, right? Because you let somebody in that hurt you. But you didn't have to. You didn't have to let them in like that. You see, what happens when your heart gets hurt is we tend to put up walls. Right? We tend to build walls like we get cinder blocks and, and we stack them and then we stagger them and then we fill them with concrete and rebar so nobody can get through. Because that's what a wall does. A wall keeps everybody out. But what if instead of building a wall, we started building gates? Because a gate allows you to give people access and deny access. Right? Because you may need to keep some people out, but you don't need to keep everybody out. Because there's people that have a purpose of healing in your life also. And if you build a wall, they can't even get in. Say that's good. I'm going to show it to you this way. I'm going to show you four types of friends every person needs. Number one, and some of your notes may be a little bit skewed. Um, that, was, that was on me. The message changed a little bit last night. Um, so just, you may have to write more than just a blank. I apologize for making you use the pen. Number one, a friend. Every these are the four types of friends every person needs. A friend who will refresh you. A friend who will bring refreshing to you. A friend when they leave, you kind of go, God, that was good. Oh, I love spending time with them. Proverbs 27, 9 says, sweet friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy. For good friends are like the anointing oil that yields the fragrant incense of God's presence. Do you realize that some friends can be almost as good as God's presence in your life? Do you understand what it's like to come to church on a Sunday morning or a prayer meeting or anything like that and experience the presence of God like we did this morning and then that refreshes your soul because you've been battling for 167 hours and you walk in and in 22 minutes, all of a sudden God's presence begins to refresh you? The Bible says that friends can be that way too. It does not say every friend will be that way. Right? So we need a friend who will refresh you. So let's, let's be real about it. If, if you don't enjoy being around people, or people don't enjoy being around you, and you're trying to make something work that shouldn't be working, everybody's just faking it. I know that's awkward, but it's real. Right? We shouldn't have to fake it with real friends. Right? Real friends love you for who you are. Mm-hmm. Even when your hair is not right. Second type of friend we need is a friend who will sharpen you. One of my life verses is Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So a real friendship is not one where you receive all the sharpening. It's a, it's a relationship where we sharpen each other. Amen? Sometimes I'm a little dull and I need to be sharpened. Sometimes you're a little dull and I need to come in and sharpen you with some encouragement, with some scripture, with some hope, with some truth. Right? 
We need friends who will sharpen you. If every friend you have is making you dull, you need some new friends. <laughs> Can I just say it? In, I can't say it any more plain than that. Friends who will make you better. People who will see your potential and begin to call it out of you. Number three, a friend who will be honest with you. At our leadership meeting Friday night, we had a conversation about this and about being honest with people and understanding people. And it was a great discussion because sometimes we, we, have a, we struggle to tell our friends the truth, right? How many of you would agree with that? I mean, like if their hair is out of place, you go, oh, girl, your hair is out of place. Okay, that, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, it's, it's, more, it's more complicated, like if their breath stank, <laughs> right? Like who wants to go up to somebody and say, bro, your breath stank? Or you're mean. Or what you just said to your wife was dumb. Or you ought to be a little bit more kind to your kids. That kind of honesty. We need friends who will be honest with us. Listen to this verse. This is my new favorite verse, Proverbs 27, 6. It says, you can trust a friend who wounds you with his honesty, but the enemies, but your enemy's pretended flattery comes from insincerity. Can I read that one more time? Because I just love that verse. It says that you can trust a friend who wounds you with what? Honesty. It's better to be wounded with honesty than to be backstabbed with somebody that doesn't love you enough to tell you the truth. Amen? This is a difficulty in marriage, right? Come on, Pastor. I mean, like, why you had to bring that up? Can we say that for like one week? I mean... Marriage is where we, we get sharp, right? I don't like it when you do that. What you talking about, girl? I've been doing this my whole life. Yeah, it's about to change. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help my son out with that. I'm like, bro, like one day <laughs> you're going to be married and everything that you're doing to, to make me and your mom man ain't going to fly at your house. <laughs> like I'm just telling like, you, you're not getting out of this anytime soon, bro. He's going to get it. Are they willing to tell me the truth even when it hurts my feelings? If a person is willing to tell you the truth, that means if they're not willing to tell you the truth, that means that they care more about themselves than they do about you. But if they are willing to be honest with you in a loving way and hurt your feelings a little bit, you know what that says? That says that they value the relationship. That says that you mean so much to me that I don't want you to get embarrassed. I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to hurt anybody else. I care for you so much. I'm going to risk the relationship and tell you the truth. We need friends that will be honest with us. I don't like to hear the truth. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes people come up to me and they tell me the truth, and I go, ah! I don't do that out loud, but that's what I'm doing inside. Ah! You see, a real friend's not afraid to hurt you in the short term in order to help you in the long term. 
And then the fourth type of friendship you need is a friend who will strengthen you. You need a friend that will strengthen you. Come on, how many of you could use some strength? How many of you have had moments in your life where you were, maybe you've, you've set yourself up to be isolated and you needed strength, but you couldn't find it? Why couldn't you find it? Because you didn't allow anybody through the gate that could bring strength into your life. 1 Samuel 16, 21 to 22. Watch this. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse asking, asking. This is the king asking a father to have his son. He says, please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. That's chapter 16. The Bible says that David, that, that Saul loved David very much. But something happens in two chapters that we need to recognize. Chapter 18, the next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre. And, and, and as he did day by day, Saul had a spear in his hand and Saul hurled the spear for he thought, I will pin David to the wall, but David evaded him twice. What happened? That's just two chapters. That just goes to prove that relationships can go wrong quick. Right? <laughs> Don't be surprised. They, they might be great today, and in 30 minutes, boom, you're on the, rolling in the parking lot, scrapping, beating each other up on social media. What happened? What happened was in chapter 17. What happened in chapter 17? David, who was well-loved by Saul, killed a giant in his life and got a little bit of recognition for it. So watch this. You're going to see how, how relationships are. So as long as David was just David, the little guy who was playing the lyre, making me feel good, helping me out, and he was just kind of like right here, I loved him. But the minute he kills a giant in his life and gets a little bit of recognition for it, I can't handle this no more. Now I want to kill him. Why did he want to kill him? Because somebody sang a song about him? Was Saul a good friend? Answer, no. Saul was not a good friend because he couldn't handle David's victory. He couldn't handle David overcoming giants. He couldn't handle who David became. He could handle who David was, but he couldn't handle who David became. We're all on a spiritual journey. We're all growing in Christ, and God's going to take us over mountains, and he's going to bust us through mountains, and he's going to bring breakthrough in our life, and we're going to kill giants in our life. But your friends, your friends, you'll find out who they are when you get a little victory in your life. Oh, yeah, you can start to see it. You can start to hear it. Well, how's your little promotion going? Congratulations. Come on, man. I heard, you call, I heard you call a lot of crawfish this week. <laughs> heard you're the boss now. How's your little boss job going? You know how people are, right? Because some people can only love you right here. The minute God starts to bring you here, they can't handle it anymore. That's what was so unique about Peter, James, and John is that they walked with Jesus. Jesus had relational intelligence. He knew these guys can handle me on my high day and even on my low day. 
Make sense? Is it starting to come together? We all good until you start growing, <coughs> prospering, making things happen. So in two chapters, David goes from being very loved by the king to this bro's throwing spears at me. Now I went from being blessed to ducking. <laughs> right? I gotta watch my back. Watch how God works. Verse eight, uh, chapter 18, verse 1. <clears throat> as soon as he finished speaking to Saul, the soul of David was knit to, to the soul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own. All of a sudden, the relationship with Saul, as soon as David gets a little bit of victory in his life, you need to pay attention to this because there's going to be days where you get some victory and the people that say they love you can't handle it now and they start acting all funny. You need to be aware of what's going on. You need to define the relationship and now it's time to align it. David thought he had a good thing going, thought him and Saul was buddies until he got a victory, right? And now all of a sudden, Saul's throwing spears at him. And look at me. That hurts. Right? The reason we need some relational intelligence is because if we leave ourselves vulnerable, we stay hurt. We stay disappointed. We stay wounded. But if we can start defining those relationships and aligning them and saying, you know what, this is my king relationship right here. I'm just going to keep the king where he is. I'm not all that. We not that close. Make sense? Watch what God does. He sends Jonathan. And the Bible says that when David finished speaking to Saul, Jonathan's heart was knitted to David's. And it says that he loved him very well. Wow. I'm going to show you one more verse that proves it. 1 Samuel 23, verse 15 to 16. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him, watch this, helped him find strength in God. That's the kind of friendships we need. You want to let some people in close? You need to define it and you need to align it. But if they're qualified, if you can trust them, if they'll come and find you when you need strength, you need to give them access. Amen? You need to give them access. Because God gave David Jonathan, God gave Moses Aaron, and God gave Joshua Caleb. Remember the verse? At the end of that verse it says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know what God's saying to us with the end of that verse? That I've got somebody to be your friend. I've got a few people that you need to let in, a few people that you need to risk it with, a few people you need to expose yourself a little bit to see if they're friendship material. Are you following me this morning? You need to let a few people in. I'm trying to get you a Jonathan, but you're too in love with, with Saul. Some of you this morning have friends that are getting in the way of your Jonathan. Oh, you know them friends? They some boss hog friends. Like, no, that's my BFF. You can't hang with them. What you doing calling? That's my friend. Like, that's the only person in the world. That's my friend. 
You can't have my friend. You might need to define that relationship with them and you might need to realign that relationship with them. So my goal today is to help us to gain some relational intelligence when it comes to friends. I want you to hear this this morning. Jesus only had three. Jesus managed three. Three of these types of friends I'm talking about. Jesus managed three. He had 12 opportunities, but he only took three. I would dare say this morning, if Jesus could manage three, maybe we would be doing good to manage three. Like, okay, like let's let's maybe you need to lower the bar a little bit. Like you don't need to have 10 BFFs. What if you only had three? That you know, pray for you, care for you, call you, strengthen you, people that you can find, and they're open to receive the same thing back from you. Most people will be good friends who will generally do you some good. And that's good. Just keep them where they are. We're just friends. We're not that close, but we're friends. We're good to one another. We tell the truth to one another. We care for one another, but it's not Mount of Transfiguration kind of friend. And then I just want to make you aware this morning, you're going to have some they're going to be spoilers. There's going to be some people in your life that are going to be spoilers. You thought the relationship was going certain places. You thought y'all were really that close. But I want you to be aware there may be a spoiler. By the way, it takes time. It takes time. But if you have spoilers in your life, I want to give you hope this morning because sometimes even the spoilers have a purpose. <laughs> I've learned a lot of valuable lessons from some crooked people. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I learned a lot of valuable lessons from some ghetto gangster people. Come on, somebody. I've learned a lot of, a lot of, a lot of lessons from some thugs, right? Some, some sheep wolves in sheep clothing I've, I've learned a lot from people who were spoilers they had a purpose in my life so you need friends that will refresh you friends that will sharpen you friends that will be honest with you and friends that will strengthen you amen so how's your relationships going how's your friends Yep. Guard your heart above all else. Some of us spend more money, effort, and energy on guarding our houses with cameras and uh, doorbells that you can talk to people and run off all the package thieves. Some of us spend way too much money, time, and effort on those things, and we leave our hearts wide open. The Bible does not say it's your security system at home that leads you into destiny and purpose. It says when you guard your heart, it determines the course of your life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, thank you for this series. I thank you for this message today. God, I pray that you would illuminate it to us. I pray that God, it would make sense. 
that God, you would use it in our lives, that we would begin to define relationships. It's not a mean thing. It's not like we're saying I'm better than everybody else. I'm just saying I have to guard my heart and I got to be careful with the relationships that I let in close. So God, I pray today you would help us to grow in relational intelligence. That God, we would love everyone biblically. We would value them equally. That God, we would live with them differently. Help us today. God, I give you praise. I give you glory. Show us. Show us today, even this week as we go. Maybe there's some relationships that are getting in the way. Maybe there's some relationships that are just sucking too much life out of us. Some relationships that need to be redefined and realigned. Give us strength, courage, and boldness to do so. Give us grace. Give us favor. But Lord, give us intentionality. Help us, God. We love you and we bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name.